We're continuing in a sermon series that we kicked off last week that's titled Galatians. And it's really a book in the Bible. It's in the New Testament on the right side of your book. Um, If you have a Bible, we'd love to invite you to flip to Galatians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, just put your hand in the air like you just do care, and, and we'll walk you one down. We'd love to bless you with a hard copy of God's Word. If you have a tablet or a phone, go ahead and get that holy glow on your face as you scroll to Galatians chapter 1. And if you don't do any of that, come on, we got the, we got the screens. Just look up, all right? And uh, we'll, we'll find our way to Galatians 1, uh, verses 6 through 10 is where we'll pick it up here um, today. And what I'd like to do this morning is really just um, reach back into last week's sermon. If this is your first time here, we, we, we kicked off the book of Galatians last week. We're going to continue to dive into this book, really just walking verse by verse through what the Apostle Paul penned to the church in Galatia, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, good for our teaching here today. And I believe there's much we can learn um, from this chapter. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. Let's eat. Well, Lord, as we, as we prepare to eat one more time, we come to you now, God. We, we continue talking to you, Lord, because we need you. And right this moment, on March 12th, 2023, would you deliver a word to us that we need? We don't want to just hear another person speak. We want to hear a message from the Lord through a person. So, Heavenly Father, would you speak to us? Would you just pray with me right now and just say, Lord, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. I'm ready. I'm hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I believe he's going to answer that prayer uh, for you here today. So we're in Galatians chapter six or chapter one, starting in verse six. If you're there, say I'm there. there. All right. Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel dash. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you. And want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Verse 9, as we have said before, so we now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Finally, verse 10. Hey, would you read verse 10 off the screen with me? Ready, set, go. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying, still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Some, some profound, deep, and very important verses of Scripture found in Galatians chapter 1 here today. Uh, I want to preach a message to you that I'm titling, Don't Fall Into the Trap. Don't Fall Into the Trap. I believe that, that Paul the Apostle is writing to the Galatians here, and it's interesting. He jumps straight into some of these, what I would call warnings for the church that he is very explicit about and wanting the Galatians to catch. You remember in last week's sermon, I gave this gospel math. It was the Galatian math. Um, I titled it this, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals enough. Amen? Amen. Right? And, and that is the message of the Bible. That is the message of the gospel. The gospel good news message is that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone equals everything we need. Everything we need in this life, everything we need in eternal life. If the Bible painted a different picture, I promise you I would preach that. But I've found that the scriptures from 66 books from Genesis to Revelation have this storyline thread throughout. It is that Jesus plus nothing equals enough. And, and how, how do we work that out and live that out? That's a lot of the other details. 
on the left and the right side of the book. We, we need instruction. We need a game plan. We need some direction. We need some guidance. We need some teaching. We need some stories, no doubt. But the, if I could just, in a tweetable statement, summarize what the gospel is, what the good news is, it's this. Because it would be bad news if it said, Jesus plus your perfection equals enough. You'd be like, I already lost. If it said Jesus plus your good deeds, then you might think I earned it. If somebody say, how'd you get saved? You would say, I saved myself by my good deeds. That was a Galatian error. They thought it is Jesus plus circumcision, plus food laws, plus dietary laws, plus clothing laws. A lot. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus only. That's, that's the gospel. That is, that is what we have been taught and received in Jesus. You, you can find a verse like John 3, 16, which says, For God so loved you that he sent his one and only son to die for you, to rise for you, that you would not perish, but that you would have eternal life. God came on a rescue mission to love you and save you and call you to himself. Now, what we find in Galatians 1 verse 6 is really interesting because in most of Paul's letters to his churches that he planted, the church in Galatia, the church in Colossae, the, 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 the Thessalonica church, the, um, the Corinthian church, all of these different churches, Paul usually starts with more of like a sweeter, juicier, friendly greeting. So he'll say, hey, grace and peace to you, Philippians, I've been thinking about you all day long. I've been praying for you. I, I, it brings me to tears. And, and he starts shouting everybody out. He starts name dropping all these people in the church. He's kind of like me, right? I, I'm kind of like him, actually, right? Uh, it's a, a lot of honor up front. But Paul, when it comes to the Galatians, he has the, the intro we talked about last week. And then he goes, I got to jump right in. He goes, I got to run right into the tension. I'm going to save all the sweet stuff for later because there's an issue that needs to be addressed. Here's what he says in verse 6. He says, I'm astonished. Because I, I, I don't have a lot of things to praise for at this point. I'm actually shocked that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are, are turning to a different gospel is what he's, he's wanting to exhort and he's wanting to admonish the Galatians for let me give you the first warning that we see in the text. The first warning is this. Don't desert the one who called you. I want you to just write that down for a minute. Um, this message, kind of a quick disclaimer alert, might not be the softest, sweetest, feel-good message, but I hope it'll help you to do good, and the feelings may come back, come catch, catch up later. Um, I want to just be true to the word of God here in Galatians 1. Don't desert the one who called you. Let me give you the definition for desert, and I'm not talking about sweet creations. We already talked about that. Uh, desert here means to abandon. It means to, to forsake. So what was happening is Paul went to the city of Galatia. He, he started a beautiful church, the Galatian church. He, in fact, he started churches in the region. And he gave them instruction. He preached the gospel. He raised up pastors and elders who were supposed to shepherd the flock. And then Paul gets a, he gets a DM from somebody who says, hey, let me tell you what happened. A lot of those people who came to know the Lord have actually left their calling and went, went somewhere else. They've deserted their faith. They were deceived by a different gospel, which is no gospel at all, and have put their faith in something that's man-made instead of God-made. They, they've deserted. They've abandoned. They've They've forsaken. They've left their calling. Notice what the verse says. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. If we can look at verse 6 on the screen, I want, I want you to see the language. When you desert the gospel, the message that we believe, the, the, the foundation, when you desert the gospel, you desert the God. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him. And can I just say, the best phone call you could get is from God. The best calling you could have on your life is a God calling. And this calling is not a calling into a works-based religion that's tiresome and duty-filled. In fact, it's the grace of Christ that you're called to. 
Don't miss the calling. In fact, if somebody calls you and sells you a gospel that says you, you should come to church and you should become a Christian so that you could do a lot of stuff to, to please God, that's a, that's a false gospel. We don't go to church and we don't read our Bibles and we don't pray so that we could earn brownie points with God. As if he were an app collecting stars. No, no. We do that to know God better. Because he has called us into the grace of Christ, into a relationship with Christ, and we want him not have to go get him. We actually have him, and so we, we go deeper into our relationship. That's the calling God has for us. And so I want to just say, don't desert that. Why am I passionate about that? It's because I've seen people catch some flames of fire, and it quickly get deserted. We're pumped up about Jesus, took the three-week challenge, came to church for a month, and then got a different call. And somebody else called their phone and gave them something different that was not anything better. In fact, it was worse. And what happens is you leave the call for something that is less than. Can I just say Jesus plus nothing is enough? You'll find that the closer, that you'll find this. When Jesus is all you have, you'll realize he's all you needed. He was actually enough the whole time. It's not Jesus plus. And I want to encourage you to, 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 to check that, to check in on that. Make sure when, when it comes to calling that it's the right number. It, it, it's him calling. It's his word. It's his truth. It's his gospel. Anything else is what I would call scam likely. Come on, anybody know about Scam Likely? I mean, I just want to shout out the people who did the iPhones that give you that, that, little, that little alert. Somehow it just lets you know when they, oh, who's calling me? Oh, Scam Likely. Nope, negative. I ain't answering. Sometimes, in fact, I'll answer just to play with them. Like, I'll just come up with a voice like, hello, you know? And sometimes there's not even a person there. It's like, and let me just tell you, if somebody else tries to call you outside of the gospel, it's scam likely. It is. They're not offering you anything that's better than what Jesus can offer you. Jesus is the one who created you. In fact, Jesus says, let me tell you how valuable you are. I know every hair on your head. I know every thought you had before you thought it. I know all of your days. I've been counting them. I watch you when you go to sleep. I count your tears. I, I know your heart, the depths of your heart. And I love you still the same. And, and so until somebody can call you like that, don't desert that calling. Don't, definitely don't do it quickly. Deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and now turning to a different gospel. Now, one thing that my family and I like to do, typically on Friday nights, we just do a family movie night. And so we'll just make some popcorn there at home and we'll select a family-friendly movie that will hopefully get our boys' attention long enough and we'll just give it a go. And recently, we watched this movie on Netflix called Pinocchio. Maybe you've heard of Pinocchio, the uh, old school uh, Disney movie. They recently did a remake of the classic Pinocchio movie. Now, if you're anti-Pinocchio and all that, don't email me. I honestly don't care. I love you. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it was an attempt, all right? And we watched it. And actually, I thought that there was some really neat uh, imagery and a storyline in the, the new Pinocchio movie that recently came out. Um, I'm just going to give you a spoiler alert. Um, I know that all of you are itching to go watch it right now. I know. But there's kind of the baseline storyline of the, the movie is there's this father who's his name's Geppetto, and he's heartbroken because he, he really desires a son. And he, he, he wants that companionship. He's in a season of depression and loneliness and and he gets this wild idea, I'm going to create a son. And so he creates this wooden little boy. And the, 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 kind of the story of the, the fictional tale of Pinocchio is this boy comes to life and is now a, a son to the father. And the father isn't, loves Pinocchio. He, he wants the best for him. He wants him to go to school. He wants him to just stay close. He, he takes him to church. He does all types of stuff with Pinocchio. And Pinocchio loves his dad. And he's just so amazed that he's alive. And he just wants to do well. And he just wants to, he smiles. He skips down the street until one day what happens? He sees this fair that's happening, this puppet show where the, the puppet master begins to kind of recruit Pinocchio away from his dad. 
says, hey, your dad doesn't have your best interest. I got your best interest. I can use you to make money. You're going to be on flyers all around the city. I'll take you all around the world. You're going to be famous, Pinocchio. And Pinocchio, what does he do? He deserts the calling. He sells his school books. He says, he says dad, I'm going to go make us money. I'm going to go be famous. And, 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 and Chappelle says, Pinocchio, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Trust me, your dad, listen to me. And what does he do? He jumps into the, the circus tent and not knowing that the, the master of that plan just wanted to use Pinocchio the whole time, was not in it for his good. In fact, he thought I could use this guy to steal money from him and deceive him and lie to him. And I'll put a false calling on his life and he'll serve me and take him to a place that he never wanted to go in the first place. And what you find in the movie is now they're down the road and Pinocchio goes, I miss my dad. I wish I could just have the same affection that my original calling had. I just want to encourage you today, everything you need is in Christ. The affection, the approval, the calling, the joy, the forgiveness is found in your relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, three in one, are, are crazy about you. I don't know why, but he loves us enough to die for you enough to rise for you. So when somebody else calls, don't desert the one who called you in the grace of Christ. Hold, hold firm to the, the good news of the gospel. Amen. Paul writes in, in, in it, I like the NLT translation of verse six. It says, he says, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God. If you got anything from this message today, don't turn away from him who loves you. And praise God, he won't turn away from you, but, but you could turn away from him and find yourself empty quick. Who called you to himself? Isn't that amazing? He didn't call you to a religion. He didn't call you to a work. He didn't call you to, to earn it. He called you to himself. Through the loving mercy of Christ, you are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Come on, there's a lot of pretenders out there. I just want to keep it a buck here. I want to keep it a hundred with you. There's a lot of pretenders. And you got to be able to know his voice and what a counterfeit voice is. Come on. Have you ever studied about the people who can spot the counterfeit uh, dollar bills? You know what they do? They don't, spend, they don't spend time studying fake bills. They just know the, the real bills so close. They studied the real bills so to the T, they could spot a fake one in a second. So, oh, that one is not a real one. I, can, I, I know the real one the best. Hey, get to know his voice so well. Get to know this gospel so well. Get to dig your heels into the grace of Jesus Christ that you can spot a fake gospel from around the way. That's scam likely. I'm not picking up. I don't, I don't have time uh, for that type of phone call. Don't, don't desert it. Don't turn to a different way that's pretending uh, to be good news. Don't fall into that trap. We need that gospel. Martin Luther once said, I preach the gospel to my church every week because every week they forget. <laughs> I think that's just a, a good we, we can We can so quickly leave this place on fire for the Lord and have it diminished in a moment by something that's not even close to what God has for you. Not just now, but in eternity. He says, I'm, sh I'm shocked to hear that. Let me go into point number two. Let's look at verse seven. Verse seven says, dash, he says, let me finish my thought. Not that there is another one. He says, I'm shocked that you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So, so, so point number one, right, is this. Don't desert the one who called you. Point number two is don't desert, don't distort the gospel that saved you. In other words, what does the word distort mean? It means to twist something out of shape. To distort something means to change something. Uh, something that's distorted is it's a rebrand of the original version. It's not quite the same. All right? It's, it's distorted. And what happened here in the Galatian church is Paul preached the, the true gospel, grace alone and, th and through faith alone in Christ alone because he's enough. He's enough to save you and forgive you. And then other people came into the Galatian church and started to sit in the pews and sit in the chairs and say, hey, let's go to Starbucks this week. Let's talk about this gospel. 
And they began to add to it. You know that that's not the full gospel. That's not the true gospel. And so there began to be sects within the church of many groups within the church, specifically a group called the Judaizers, who are now putting the law on the Galatian Christians and saying that gospel is not enough. And they distorted it. They changed it. And can I just tell you today, that is the same trick of the enemy that he's been doing from the beginning. The, the, the devil only has like two or three plays that he runs. We just don't play good defense. I, I'll tell you what, you got to just know these plays. One of them is just, I, the devil likes to come in the game. And he just likes to just twist a little bit. Just a little distortion can, can blow something up really quick. You see this at the beginning of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Listen to the text. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Now, notice the description of the serpent here. We would say that, that, that Lucifer was this angelic being in heaven who would lead the worship in heaven who got this thought one day to, to try to steal the glory of God because he was all about himself. And in a moment, Jesus affirms that he was cast out of heaven like lightning, him and a third of the angels with him that were also uh, into this idolatrous wrongdoing. And they became these demonic forces. And now Satan is, is in a, a deceitful way masquerading around here as a serpent. And he's crafty. The definition of the word crafty is to be cleverly deceptive. In other words, the devil's not going to pull up on you with red horns and its tongue out and a big pitchfork. Ah, listen to this false gospel. He's more crafty than that. So he slithers on in over here. And he's craftier than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say... Now, I want you to just hear that. Whenever you hear a did God actually say, just know, all right, this is a trick of the enemy. I, I feel a distortion coming on. And I've learned, one, to not desert the one who called me in grace, and two, to not distort the gospel that was preached to me in grace, right? Hey, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God actually say that? And the woman, Eve, said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Next slide, please. Thank you. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, shout out to Eve for knowing her Bible, listening to God's word, speaking back to the enemy. Now, I want to give an unshout out to Adam for letting the serpent talk to his wife. All right? I, wanna, I always read this. And I'm like, yo, Adam, where you at? Step up, bro. You know, like, or it's like, yo, Eve, don't talk to him, right? You, we don't talk to talking snakes. All right, come on. Like, yo, Eve, don't have an exchange here. Adam is off doing something that's just not helpful right now. In fact, he was actually really close by listening in. Husbands, don't be passive. Step in. I'm not, I'm not digging this. I don't, I don't think we're going to entertain this conversation. The serpent said to the, to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what did the serpent do here? Here's what he did. He just twisted the message just enough. He just distorted it just enough for Adam and Eve together, who were right there together, said, Sounds good enough to me. Let's just go ahead and disobey God. They, they just needed to... See, I think if the devil would have came in here and it would have just been too abrupt, they would have been like, nah, we ain't messing with you. But that's not how he's going to roll. He's going to roll in a deceptive way and just going to try to distort the message by adding to it. One translation says, by perverting the gospel, by distorting it, by changing it, by giving misleading information. And I just want to encourage you today, don't, don't let it happen. In fact, even for your own soul, don't change it. Don't believe a distorted gospel. 
And there's many ways to do it. I know even for me, for Hayden, I believed a distorted gospel for many years of my life. What was it? Here was the distorted gospel that I believed. Believe in God and be a good person. That was my, that was the gospel that I stood firm on. If somebody said, hey, what do you, what do you believe about the Lord? I would have said, oh yeah, I believe in, I believe in God. He might even be named Jesus. And if you just believe in him and be a good person, you'll go to heaven someday and that's all you need to do. Can I just tell you that that's not a real gospel? That's just hiding. I made that up. Or somebody told me that. Until one day I was confronted with the real gospel and realized, oh, no, 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 that, that's just hiding. That's the little God hiding in my head. I had to rebuke that little God. In fact, I had to uh, uh, discard that God to receive Jesus as the true Lord and Savior of my life. He, he sets the lines. He tells you what is what. He makes the calls. He's the one, right? And so now my opinion became very secondary. You know, when people, you, some of you guys sometimes will say, hey, Hyde, what's your opinion on this? I say, it doesn't matter. I can tell you my opinion. You can take it or leave it. But m- my opinion is, what did God say about it? Because I'm trusting that his word's better than mine. He's a lot smarter than me. He's a lot gooder. Is gooder a word? He's a lot, he's a lot he's a very, he's good. He's good. He's good. Right? And so you, you got to be able to know here the devil just wants to twist it. And why is that a false gospel? Believe in God and be a good person? Because here's the false gospelness of that. It's you saying, I got to be a good person. And can I just tell you, if there's 150 people in this room, there's 150 different definitions of what good is. Because your version of a good person is different than another version of a good person. Like, yo, what's a good person? Well, I mean, it just means you don't have to cheat that much. A good person, you know, oh, I'm a good person. God knows my heart. That's a problem, <laughs> yeah. right? A good, a, good, a good person, right? You, you don't even know what good is. And so what we need to do is we need to say, okay, God, you set the standard for good. And you know what he'll say? He'll say, only my son's good. And then you say, okay, well, I need a relationship with him. In fact, I don't just need a relationship. I need a new identity in Christ. By grace, he's the standard for good. If you have that mentality, I just believe in God and be a good person, then you can be your own savior by your own goodness. But that's a false gospel. So I don't know what the false gospels are that are trying to kind of chime in and chirp in your ear and your heart. I'm just telling you it's scam likely. I'm going to keep on telling you that. If someone approaches you with a different gospel other than grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Just be like, man, I, don't, I just, I, I cannot flirt with this false thing going on here. Does that make sense? That makes sense? I love how uh, uh, John Piper says it. He says, the gospel is not a way to get people to heaven. It's a way to get people to God. The good news of the gospel is not just so you can have a punch ticket to get to eternity someday, although that is some of the good grace that follows the gospel, is eternity. But the gospel in itself is to get you to him. The good news of salvation is so that you can actually be reconciled back to God. If you don't have a right relationship with Jesus, I'll tell you what, the Bible says your relationship is hostility. You have a hostile relationship with God, but Jesus can make peace through the blood on the tree. And that's why we go through him. We don't add our own good stuff. We, we don't. And that's why I just want to encourage you, don't change it. D- don't put a different gospel on somebody else. The same gospel that saved you, the same grace that you're drawing from today is the same grace you should give to somebody else. Make sure that somebody doesn't come to know Jesus and then all of a sudden you just smack the law on them. You're no different than a Judaizer in Galatia. They were seeing Galatian pagan worshipers come to know Jesus and start over with their lives. It was the gospel that was going to sustain them, not their good deeds, not their good works, not their money that they can contribute. It it wasn't any of that. It was always him. That's the message that we believe. That's the message that we preach, that's the message that Paul preached. There's this significant moment in the book of Acts 
where Paul uh, and Silas get thrown into prison for their faith in Jesus. And if you're familiar with this story, it says at midnight they were singing hymns and their worship was so powerful, the, the, the prison shook and the doors swung open. And the jailer ran into the gospel cell. The gospel cell, I love that. Into the prison cell. And the jailer runs in and says, he pulls his sword out. He's ready to kill himself because he didn't do a good job of all the All the prisoners ran out, ran free. But there's Paul and Silas still chilling in the cell. And the jailer goes, well, let's read it. Let me look at Acts 16 up on the screen. The jailer called for the lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Let me go. Can I cover it up? Is this not the perfect moment to give the right answer? Yes. Amen. Come on. Sirs, I'm the jailer that's been guarding y'all this whole time. I've probably been mean. I probably haven't been nice. But something radically just happened. I heard y'all singing about Christ alone, the cornerstone. And, and now I'm ready. What must I do to be saved? This is not the moment for Paul to blow it. What does he say? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You. And this is good news for your whole house. This is good news for your family, your household. Now listen, if, can I just, I promise you, I promise you, if Paul would have said, believe in the Lord Jesus and do a bunch of good works, that's what I would preach to you. If Paul would have said, believe in the Lord Jesus and then get baptized, I would say, okay, baptism is part of salvation. If he would have said, believe in the Lord Jesus and give tithes, I would say, okay. If he would have said, believe in the Lord Jesus and make sure you add your works too. He doesn't say that. He says, look, the grace of Jesus through your faith, believe upon him, is enough to save you without you adding anything else. How can Jesus say to the thief on the cross, today you'll join me in paradise? How? The, the thief can't jump off the cross and get baptized real quick and then jump back on. Because here's what he knew. It wasn't about what you could do. It's about what Jesus was doing. It's always about what he's done for us. So we don't add to the gospel. We don't take away from the gospel. We don't adjust the gospel to try to make people feel better. We don't distort the gospel, twist it. Did God really say? No, no, we stand on the gospel. We plant our feet on this good news and we preach it to our own hearts all the time. As, as Bible-believing Christians, you've got to preach it to your own heart the most because even yourself will create a new gospel and will try to convince you that you need to fill in the blank instead of go back to the, to the, the spring of life. Let's go to the third point. We've got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. Verses seven and eight. Paul says to the Galatians in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. That is a staggering word right there. These verses understandably make people feel uncomfortable because they're uncomfortable verses. If we or an angel, Paul says, if I start tripping and preach a different gospel, or if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, we just saw it in Acts, let him be accursed. It's this Greek word, amathema. It means to be plunged down into the depths of hell. This is, this is a big word. I mean, we just sang about it. Jesus has broken the curse. He's never lost. It's this, he's saying, if you preach a different gospel, that's bad business. It's a serious thing. Because if you preach a different gospel, you preach a different Jesus. He, he says, it's so important. Let me say it again. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Man. That's, di that's difficult to, to grasp, but I think it's important for us to hear. And I think it's pervading in our culture here today. Um, th this verse is significant because 
Um, a little bit of my history and testimony is when I um, was in college, I majored in religious studies, specifically world religions. So I remember reading and doing studies on the Hindu faith, on uh, Judaism, on uh, Buddhism, on Christianity, on Catholicism, on the Mormon belief, and so on, and Jehovah's Witness, all these different faith sects and faith claims throughout the world are all over the place. But what's really fascinating, at least for me it was, was looking at the origins of how these faith groups started. And it's important that you know the origins because that's a way to know if it's true or not. In fact, I would say the only true truth that you need is all contained within this book. If somebody comes to you and gives you something new, I would question if they're real or not. I would question if that's a scam likely. That, that, that's the person that's trying to take Pinocchio into a, something that's deceptive. Does anybody like being deceived? I can't stand being deceived. Anybody ever tried to book an Airbnb? I'll tell you what. I was recently looking at the Airbnb site. Saw a big bl- flashing bright sale. Check this out. Beautiful home. $115 for the night. And then you click next and it says $400 cleaning service fee. You're like, what? And then it says, and then Airbnb extra service charge, another 80. And then, and then an extra tax from that city and then the local tax and the state tax. And all of a sudden that room, which was advertised at one price, is all of a sudden a whole lot more. Come on. Amen. Anybody ever tried to book a flight on Spirit Air? Oh, man. Good luck. Yeah, I, I got, got that email. Go to New York today for $29.99. I'm a, babe, let's do this. We're about to go to New York today. Click, click book, the next page. It says, pick your seat. All the seats have dollar signs on it. <laughs> click that one. Oh, man. How much is it to just carry my bag? Oh, man. How much is it to even just get my boarding pass? Oh, next thing you know, you're like, oh, I just got deceived. You got me with the big, bright. That's a lot of world religions. That's a lot of false gospels. Believe this. It's better than what you've believed. And then you click next and you realize you got to earn it. We'll send you the bill. We'll send you the fee. What we believe as Christians is that Jesus has already covered all of the bill, even the tip. You cannot add to it. You cannot earn it. He has taken the test. He has passed it. And you have just said, I'm going to hitch myself to him. There's no extra side hustle that Jesus is trying to get you to work for. But if you take a specific faith claim like the Mormon belief, and let me just go ahead and speak to that really quickly because the Mormon, in quote, doctrine is advancing rapidly, not just in Las Vegas, but in North America and globally. And Las Vegas has become a hub for that. Um, if If you really zero in on the belief system, which I just want to educate you just for a moment, the Mormon origin belief system begins in the 1820s. In other words, not that long ago. In upstate New York, you'll find a young man by the name of Joseph Smith on a journey of seeking the Lord. He wanders into the wilderness in upstate New York. I just wish he had his Bible open. It's enough, bro. He's there. He's seeking. God, reveal yourself to me. God, speak to me. He has. But, but, but he's there, and he doesn't have it open. He's saying, God, speak to me. And what does this crafty moment say? I'm going to disguise myself like an angel. And all of a sudden, an angel named Moroni appears to Joseph Smith in the wilderness of New York and says, hey, so look, check this out. I'm really tight with Jesus. I'm really tight with the Father. I can introduce you. And the Christians got it wrong. The Jews got it wrong. I'm going to use you to bring restoration to the Christian faith. You just got to add another testament called the Testament of the Latter-day Saints, the later ones that came along. Like you, you can lead it, and you can be the organizer, and I'm going to give you this new and different improved gospel. And I just so wish Joseph would have been reading in Galatians 1. 
where he would have been able to see, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, don't listen. That's, that, that's my third point. Don't let anyone deceive you. Brothers and sisters, let me be very clear. This is a big deal here. In fact, I, I was just, uh, I thought it was so providential of God. is like so on time. I was at Chipotle this week. It's Wednesday. I'm in the line. There's a few people right there. And right up next to me comes three Mormon missionaries. And they stand right next to me. And of course, in my head, I'm like, right now? Is this a moment? And so I do like the pleasantry, like, mm. and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to go for it. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? Good. My name is Hayden. Good to meet y'all. And we sparked this really good conversation. And we're there, and we're getting ready to place the order. And I say, where are you, where are you guys from? Where do you guys fellowship? And uh, they say, well, we're from all around the, the, the country, and we, we're here on mission in Las Vegas br- bringing the good news. And I said, oh, well, what, um, it's interesting because your good news is different than what I believe the Bible's good news is. In fact, I'm preaching on that same subject this Sunday at Walk Church. I'd love to invite y'all. And, and two, of the, two, of the, two of the gentlemen were like, he ain't the one. We got to just keep going. <laughs> I think I was too confident. I was, I, was, I was sermoned up. And so they were like, we're just going to order, man. You know? But this one was really intrigued with me. And he goes, what do you mean a different good news? I said, well, there's only one good news. And it's the good news of the gospel, Jesus Christ. And you believe a different one. And he goes, well, tell me exactly how. And he said, here's what I believe. And like robotic went through the whole Mormon belief system regarding faith in Jesus. And I said, I understand that, but you missed a part of your own belief system. Well, what is it? I said, it's the part where you add your own works in. All right. And it's not meant to be a gotcha moment. It's meant to say, hey, you believe something different. You believe you can add to it. You believe you can earn it. And that was a message that was penetrated from an angel that was masquerading around, not like a biblical angel that would change the gospel because Paul says, don't listen to that. Even, come on, let's look at verse eight again. Come on, one more time. Look at it with me, right? He says, even if we or an angel, he says, put the accountability on me from, from heaven should preach to you a different gospel. Don't listen to it, Joseph Smith. Because a whole world religion can be built off of his testimony of what this angel said. Was anybody else there? No. Did anybody else see the plates? No. What, could anybody else interpret the writing on the plates? No. So we're just supposed to blind faith believe that this is actually true and that this is actually not? And because we're not confident in what we believe, we believe anything. And I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you. To get confident in the gospel, to get strong in the gospel. I looked at this, this young man in the face and I said, I, mean, I'm ch- I, I, I want you to believe this man. I call you to repentance in Chipotle from, from, from believing this. And I'd love to go play basketball with you. I told him, I said, let's go hoop. I know you guys like play a little bit. Let's play. And let's talk about what we believe. It, it, this doesn't have to be a hostile moment. I, I want to build a bridge, not a wall. Come on, right? And we were, and, and, and the wheels were turning. And I believe if you're not careful here, you can believe. Listen to me, 500 years, 500 years after Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, there was a man who was praying and he went up on a mountain in the Middle East. His name was Muhammad. 500 years after Christ had already Live this out. And he went up on the mountain and he was seeking God and he was looking for answers on what to believe. And what happens in that moment? Does anybody know? It's a flash of light. An angel appears and says, The Christians got it wrong. They got some of it right. The Jews got it wrong. They got some of it right. But Muhammad, I'm going to give you the real gospel. 
And he began to write down. It's the same trick that was used then, is used now. It is used in a bunch of different world religions. And friend, if you're not careful, it'll happen to you too. And you'll base your religious belief off of an emotion or a feeling or a visitation or an angel instead of the word of God. None of these testimonies have anchorage into the word. This is what Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for the believers. He's praying for the people who would one day come to believe. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I can't, I can't say it enough. The word of God is, is, is the true truth. And so I would say, use the word as, as, an, as an opportunity to, to engage with any type of... It's in fact, in the armor of God, it says the word of God is like the sword. You might have to like, remember Zorro? <laughs> Come on, any Zorro? Right? Well, you gotta, thanks, Ruth. Uh, but like, you got to use the Bible. Like, you got to just slice up any of these scam likelies. You got to slice them up. L- listen, our Walk Church ministry office is right here, right here on Maryland and Pebble. If you walk 20 steps, you'll get to the Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall for this region. If you go backwards another 20 steps, you'll get to the Krishna temple that they just built right there. And right around the corner is the Mormon ward that's targeting these different schools. You don't think there's warfare out here in these streets? What are you doing? You chilling? Watching reality? People are out. People are, people are, are, are bringing something. And I just want to say, brothers and sisters, we have good news. We don't have bad news. We have great news. Um, one missionary said, the good news is only good news if it makes it on time. It's only good news if you get a chance to hear it. And I want to encourage you to be about the good news that is found in Christ. Look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Hear me on this. People were coming into the Corinthian church trying to distort the gospel. So what does Paul say? He says, such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Listen to me. You want to be able to spot those counterfeits. You want to be able to recognize what the true gospel is and what the distorted gospel is. It doesn't have to be a big distortion. Come on, we got a little bit of shoe culture in our church here. We know when the fakes come out. <laughs> come on, because we study the real ones. <laughs> we know the real ones. And we know if that jump man is a little, is that, if that Jordan sign's a little chubby, if the stitching's a little backwards. All right, I'm done. Listen, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I love you. <laughs> Whoever you is, I love you. Uh, but you got to be able to apply that to the gospel. Come on, any shoe people, amen me for that. Come on. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's, it's a small deal. All right. Hey, look, they're around. I, I, I'll, I'll conclude with this. I mean, listen, the devil and his demonic forces, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. Our battle is against the spiritual realm. Our battle is very mental and emotional and spiritual. It's demonic. It's warfare. It's a big deal. And so what I'm saying is the craftiness of Satan and his schemes. And let me just be clear. Satan is not on the same level as Jesus by any means. He's a created being. Um, You can read the end of Revelation. You can see how his his time ends. Um, But he's going to act like a lion. He's going to act like he's got it like that. He's going to try to distort and deceive in a crafty way. So he's not going to pull up on you and make it obvious. He's going to just try to sit next to you every week for about two months just to try to invite you to their thing and try to distort it just enough. Did God actually say, do you really believe that? When you see that, just go ahead and hit the red end. That's that scam. 
That's that, that's that Spirit Airlines that has another few things around the corner. You can, next thing you're going to ask me for my social security, right? I got it, you know. Next thing you're going to say, I need to pay this amount of money to earn it. This is the Galatian error. Came into the Galatian church. Paul said, I got to rebuke that. Let me look at verse 10. I'm moving this out the way so y'all know I'm, I can't come back. <laughs> got to come back next week. Verse number 10. Listen, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Here, I was, I was a little bit nervous about this sermon because I knew that this could offend some people. But then I read verse 10 and I realized I had, to, I had to speak back to that. Am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Am I trying to please man? Hey, friend, you can't be a people pleaser and a Christ follower at the same time. It just, it, at some point, that thing's going to run into each other. If I were still trying to please man, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. That I would have checked that in a long time ago. The last point is this, right? Number four, don't desire man's approval of you. So I'll go ahead and just say the four out loud as we close in a, a time of worship. The four is this. Um, number one, don't desert the one who called you, the father. He called your number and said, I love you. I want you. Don't desert him. Uh, number two, don't desert the gospel that saved you. That's a good enough gospel. Don't, don't distort it. Don't change it. Don't twist it. Right? Number three, don't be deceived by people who want to deceive you. Whether that's an angel or that's, hey, if Hyden, Pastor Hyden comes to you and tries to starts preaching a different gospel, rebuke me and go find a different church. Not about me. Build your house upon him. And number four, don't desire man's approval of you because not everybody's going to understand. Not everybody's going to get it. And be loving and be gracious and be patient. Because somebody was loving and gracious and patient with you, amen? You didn't just have it all together all of a sudden. Somebody was patient to invite you. Somebody was kind to love you. Somebody was gracious to share with you. Somebody sat down with you and said, hey, here's how I got forgiven. I just wanted to give you that same grace and introduce you to the maker, introduce you to the savior. And he doesn't want anything extra from you. You know, the Mormon religion says, if you do enough good deeds, one day you can, you can be God. One day you can inherit your own planet, but it depends on your works. If you do enough good deeds and you give enough money, you can even get your own planet one day. Now that's the secret doctrine stuff that they don't like to talk about, but in other words, it's works-based. If you do enough, you can earn it. The gospel that we believe says Jesus is enough. He already earned it. And so we receive it. It's like what Bob Jennings says. He says, the gospel is Jesus only. And I love that right there. Let me, let me lead us in a, a closing prayer. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for this message. Our, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. God, if there's somebody here today that came to this church, that watched online, would you, just, would you just whisper to them right now they're loved, deeply loved, and that you're for them and you're with them. Whatever you're going through right now, he knows and he loves you through it. And right now, he wants you to call on his name. Just call on his name right now. Just say, Jesus, here I am. I love you and I need you. I receive you as my Savior, my only Savior, the one who died for me, the one who rose for me, the one who's coming again for me. I, I turn away from my sins, and I put my faith in you. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.